Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And today I want to talk about how LAA, which is Licensed Assist Access, is going to be a big part of what we're going to do here for 5G. It's going to help get us where we are now for L- from LTE to a 5G format, but it's also going to help us expand the broadband. Now, what we're going to talk about today is really a way to supplement what the carriers have, but it's going to lead into how we can get to a private LTE system. So I'm looking at LTE here today, LTE focused and how we're going to go from licensed assist access to a private LTE network. Keep that in mind. That's very important. But first, I'd like to thank my sponsors, Tower Tracker Pro for all your site closeout package needs, towertrackerpro.com. They are a software as a service that can basically take your crew, walk them through all the pictures, the the equipment, walk them through the pictures and the data that they need to supply for the site closeout package, upload it to the cloud and someone back at the office can verify that everything is in great shape before they even leave the site. The clue is to get it all done in one site. And also, I wish to thank Tower Safety and Instruction. TowerSafety.com is their website. What they do, they provide all your safety rescue needs and your tower training needs online and live. They are an accredited school in the state of Arizona. I think outside of Phoenix, maybe in Tempe. They actually have towers that you can climb and you can train on or at Teltech College, T-E-L-T-E-C-H hyphen college.com. You can take the online courses through towersafety.com and you can actually get accreditation updates online. That's important for first aid and things like that. So also, you can also do the drone training online. So drone training for tower work. That's very important to remember. Now, let's get back to LAA, a 5G building block, and also to the LTEU and the CBRS spectrum. So when we look at this, we have LAA, licensed assist access. We have CBRS. CRS Citizens Broadband Radio Service, which is in 3.5 gigahertz spectrum. And we have LTEU, LTE in the unlicensed spectrum, which is 5824. You know, that's in the Wi-Fi spectrum is how you look at that. But it's all going to be LTE. So I'm specifically talking about LTE here. That's what we're looking at. And I'm looking at how they are going to be 5G building blocks. What makes all this possible? First, it's carrier aggregation. Carrier aggregation is how we put it all together and help them assist the licensed carrier. So we have LAA, Licensed Assist Access, which is basically you're going to be your licensed carrier. And then to get more bandwidth, more broadband out of it, you can pair it with LTE unlicensed or maybe with a CBRS band. So we're looking at ways to get the licensed signal, the licensed spectrum to look like it's bigger than it is, but we're not really using it. We are using it. We're using that for the base and we're attaching to it the LTEU spectrum and the CBRS spectrum. That way we have a lot more spectrum to work with. It's all in the LTE format and carrier aggregation among LTE carriers, even different spectrum is a realistic I was going to say it was pretty easy, but I don't think it'll be easy at first. I think eventually it'll happen. It's just all about control and timing and how the uh, what the device can listen to. So if devices have LTEU and CBRS in them and they can listen to the carrier, they're set because they can put it all together. Then it's just software from there. So it's a lot of add-ons. It's a lot to think about. 
but they're all 5G building blocks. So the CBRS spectrum, which is 3.5 gigahertz in the US, is a big deal. We can put all this together and just amazing how much broadband we can get through there. But I want to look at two things. So I want to look at how we can supplement what the carriers have and also how we can build a private LTE network. That's how all this spectrum is put together. And what I'm thinking is if you can build your own private LTE network, maybe you can supplement the carriers as well. I, I don't know how realistic that is at this point in time, but I think it's something that we can really do. So we're looking at two things. We're looking to supplement the carrier's license spectrum, and we're looking to build private LTE networks, which you can do. So first, let's talk about licensed assisted access, okay, because that's a big deal. That's what the carriers are going to try to roll out with LTEU and possibly the CBRS. They want to be able to aggregate all the carriers. And this is why carrier aggregation is so important to what we're doing now for broadband. The fact we can aggregate carriers in different spectrums is just awesome. I'm also looking at how LTEU is going to play a part. Now, Wi-Fi spectrum is a 900 megahertz, 2.4 gigahertz, 5.8 gigahertz or 60 gigahertz. And I don't really understand all the 60 gigahertz, but I know it's there, okay? I just, I don't know who's playing with it. But all the same, let's look at 2.4 and 5.8 gigahertz because that's a big thing. That's what we're gonna look at here. And in those spectrums, that's basically where Wi-Fi lives and breathes today. So with LTEU, it's gonna have to coexist with Wi-Fi. For a private LTE network, you want MultiFire. That multifier is basically where you can have a standalone LTE hotspot, just like Wi-Fi. Qualcomm created it, and it's pretty cool, and there's a whole multifier universe out there. I have the links at wadeforwireless.com. If you want to learn more about multifire, it's multi, M-U-L-T-E-F-I-R-E, multifire, as in M-U-L-T-E-fire, fire. So that's going to allow you to run LTE without a big core. Basically, that's why it's so important. Independent LTE, which we thought would never happen. We always thought it need, needed to be tied to a licensed carrier. And we can have it just to a little core or some server or something sitting around somewhere, similar to Wi-Fi. All right. LTEU spectrum, like I said, in the Wi-Fi spectrum, you can run it alone on multi-fire, but you can also have it tied to a core, tied to a licensed carrier. It works both ways. So if you want to learn more about that, I, I have a lot of information that you can learn about multi-fire and uh, LTEU. Uh, I have links in my blog, wadeforwireless.com. It's a great thing. And why you're asking? I'm glad you asked. You see, the carriers can use LTEU to gain more bandwidth, free bandwidth outside of their license spectrum. That's why it's such a big idea. It's LTE and it's very easy to aggregate LTE carriers. It's the same format. LAA is what they're going to use. It's uh, the aggregation. So let's have a flashback. LAA is what they wanted to use a while ago, but they didn't have any other spectrum to really put it all together. So now that we're going to have LTEU and the CBRS spectrum, you can really start using these other bands in LTE and put them all together and aggregate them. That's why, again, I say carrier aggregation is huge. Now, they also have LWA, which is licensed Wi-Fi aggregation. Really, it's the same as LAA, but they aggregate Wi-Fi on. I don't know why, but they're having a lot of problems with this. It's not working as smoothly or as well as they had hoped. It just seems to cause a lot of problems and they don't get the performance they had hoped they would get. It's very disappointing to the carriers because they really expected to get something out of it. What do you do? So LA is almost a reality at this time. It's early 2018 and I would think in 2018 we're going to roll it out because the OEMs are already making the product for this. How cool is that? For LTEU and they already make CBRS small cells too. Awesome. So 
What's CBRS? Citizens Broadband Radio System. It falls in the 3.5 gigahertz spectrum here in the States. It also is LTE, just like LTEU. It's using LTE for everything. The, the cool thing about it is the FCC here in the States is going to reserve so much for the carriers. We don't know what yet. I don't know. The FCC is just dragging her feet. It's like they don't want to see wireless move ahead. It's very frustrating to me. I mean, this is something I think they should have resolved two years ago. But I digress. CBRS spectrum is going to be a big deal because it's going to allow new spectrum and new private LTE systems for people like you and me. We're going to be able to have a lightly licensed system uh, thanks to the ASA. If you want to learn about the ASA, find out more at Federated Wireless. They uh, have a lot on it, and I have the link at wadeforwireless.com. But who already makes CBRS uh, radios? Well, I'm going to tell you. If you look at SpiderCloud, if you look at Ruckus, who I interviewed both those guys, Art King of Spider Cloud and Steve Martin of Ruckus, both let me in on how it works. And CBRS is so cool. It's just cool the way they did the technology. You have all this spectrum, right? Now, granted, you're going to reserve basically a third or maybe a half for the carriers. You're going to reserve maybe a third or a half for guys like you and me that just want to build our wireless networks. And because we're going to get that spectrum, we can actually do things that we want to do. Hence, a private LTE network. Now, who would want to build a private LTE network? Who on earth would do a crazy thing like that? I'll tell you in a minute. First off, just remember that the carriers are going to use this spectrum. So you could actually find a partnership, in theory, with the carriers. T-Mobile, in fact, is a major reason for the delay. I get some of their complaints. They want to keep it for longer than three years. I get that, you know, especially if they're going to pay for it in an auction. Three years is a short time for those guys to give it back. I'd say about a 10-year lease would make sense and then maybe be able to renew it for another 10 and 10. So that that rule was a little wacky. For guys like you and me that want to get the lease, you know, it's probably be annual. <laughs> Let's just phase it. We don't get the respect the carriers have. And in the carrier's defense, we don't spend billions on spectrum. So I'm not going to sit here and whine about it. If I can get something for a few pennies, a few dollars, you know, whatever. Like in the old days, you could license anything anywhere if you had the money and you did the engineering. Back then, you had to do a lot of engineering. Today, you really don't. Today, it's a different world, man. They just get swaths of spectrum, get it regionally or nationwide. You get it by the market, whatever. T-Mobile pretty much has 600 megahertz nationwide now, but man... They need the Spectrum. They're deploying it. And it's really great for the deployment industry that T-Mobile has all that 600 megahertz Spectrum because they're going to go right to LTE, right to 5G. They're going to do all that they can to just kick ass with the broadband. And I personally, for one, am really looking forward to it. Anybody doing that. You know, Sprint had a window where they could have been first at all this stuff, but it's Sprint. Once again, they got in their own way. But again, let's get back to this. So for the deployment industry... We need this. We need this 600 megahertz. CBRS is going to add to that. And that's why I whine about it all the time because I wish the FCC would just get off their ass and do something, at least release it to the public like us and then decide what they're going to do with the carrier spectrum. My God, why do they have to do it all at once? Just drives me up a wall. But CBRS, you're going to use the LTE format to start. I'm sure at some point they'll bring in 5G and the new radio, which is really cool. Just the fact that we're going to have new spectrum and we can do LTE now and someday 5G. Pretty awesome. So one thing I want to talk about is who's going to really use this spectrum. Here's who I think is going to love it. Public safety, because it's going to give them opportunities to do something very secure and lightly licensed. Utilities, small business, enterprise, anyone who wants to extend their coverage and add security. But first, let's thank to the one thing that made all this possible. Carrier aggregation made it possible for us to partner with the carriers and for the carriers to be motivated enough to 
push the FCC to release this spectrum. Carrier aggregation is such an awesome technology, yet something we're going to overlook in about a year because it'll just seem commonplace to be able to put all these pipes of spectrum together to look like one big pipe. What about the devices? Can't do much without the devices, can we? It's a key part. So what do we do? What are we going to do? Let's look at two ends of the devices. There's a smartphone. Eventually, they're going to put the spectrum in there. It's got to happen, right? We need it because we have to deploy, deploy, deploy. But for the small cells, we have Nokia, who already released their LTEU and their CBRS small cell. The reason I bring up Nokia, because they're a large, major OEM. It's Nokia, Ericsson, Samsung. They're the big boys. They're the boys we all dream of being. They're the boys that, you know, are really making a difference in the world because they're pushed by the carriers. Whether they win or lose, I don't know. But they really have to make a difference. So who else has it? Spider Cloud, another major player. Ruckus, another major player. These guys are making small cells in the CBRS and the LTE units, LTEU units. They want to get out there. They want to deploy, deploy, deploy. Deploy, deploy, deploy. Can I say it enough? Because when they deploy, we make money, okay? The, the services industry makes money, and that's sort of where I'm coming from. I love the technology. It's very exciting to me. I'd love to do more with it. I love writing about it. I love doing analytics. I love talking to investors about it. I love talking to everybody about it. We have to look at what it's what's in it for the industry. So I broke it down for you. And again, in my blog, wadeforwireless.com, it's going to be the blog that's titled, let's see, I'll call it LAA CBRS LTEU or 5G building blocks. So look for 5G building blocks. Enterprise users are going to love this because it's going to take them a step beyond the Wi-Fi network into a private, I shouldn't say private, a lightly licensed network. And it's going to be LTE, which is going to open up new doors for them for three reasons. One, they're going to be able to aggregate with the carriers if need be. They'll be able to form a partnership and maybe their devices will be able to roam back and forth. Two, if they want more security, they'll go with the CBRS band, which is lightly licensed, which should be their dedicated spectrum in that building. Again, they, it may or may not be on their devices, but it'll be on a device that they're using to communicate with. Three, they won't have to wire anything anymore. They can just use the wireless connection for everything. And depending upon how secure it is, they can choose a network that they want to work on. In other words, they can choose if it's slightly licensed, if it's Wi-Fi, or if it's LTEU. Choice, choice, choice. They have choices now. Now, the other thing I see, the other group I see liking this are ISPs. When I say an ISP, that's internet service provider, okay? Uh, specifically wireless ISPs because they're going to be able to offer so much more than just Wi-Fi now. They can do LAA. They can be lightly licensed on CBRS. I said LA. Rephrase that. LTEU or CBRS. The thing with LAA is that gives them the option to partner with a carrier. So if a carrier wants the additional spectrum in that particular region, wherever the ISP is, they can just partner with somebody instead of deploying their own equipment. Saves them time, saves them money, CapEx, and uh, probably save them OPEX in the long run because now they don't have to pay rent because the ISP is already doing it. Financially, I don't know how they're going to do the partnership. Quite frankly, I don't care. I'll get into more about that later. I think what they're going to do is an MVNO type sharing agreement, but I don't know. But who else is going to make money? Installers. Because let me tell you something, installers. They're going to put these devices indoors and outdoors. That is good for you. You're going to be installing this stuff. It's fairly straightforward to install. You're going to be running fiber to it, backhaul, and everything else. That's an important thing to remember because you have a lot to install here. Backhaul providers. Now, I'm going to cover three things in backhaul because we always have to break this down. Fiber providers, meaning people that actually provide the fiber, run the fiber, lay the fiber, put it out there just for these specific small cells. 
I see that as a big boom for them. If it's indoors, they'll probably run fiber to the units or maybe Cat5 or Cat6. But the backhaul providers such as like a, like an Extinet or even what Crown Castle's doing at their sites, what a big plus for them. Now they can have another technology and have another customer and provide the backhaul as well. And also the router companies. I don't know what routers these will use, but it seems pretty straightforward. They need something to interface between the fiber and the small cell. The carriers are going to really look at this. It's going to be the icing on the cake. Don't get me wrong. They need the, the license play. They're going to still have all the options, the services they have. But this is, like I said, the icing on the cake because now they can actually get more throughput by using these other bands that are outside of the license bands that they paid millions for. I don't know what they'll pay for the CBRS, but it does open up new spectrum to them. It's 3.5 gig, which I think is prime spectrum. It's going to be good for them. Very local coverage. I think it's going to be awesome. Building and venue owners are really going to profit from this because they probably looked at DAS as their saving grace. They probably put a lot of Wi-Fi hotspots in. Well, now they can do LTEU and they can do CBRS, which is lightly licensed. Hopefully it'll be in the devices. They can run a CAD 5 or a CAT 6 to any of these devices to spread it throughout the building, which is very straightforward. Probably PoE units. And if you're at a stadium or something like that, they can break out the cells even more, the small cells concentrate coverage and when it goes 5g they'll probably have some type of mimo in each one of those devices whether it'll be massive mimo or not i don't know but it's it's a quick alternative to putting more radio heads in on the license spectrum it's very quick i would imagine it's more cost effective and it's going to be easy to deploy the way i see it you know another winner is going to be the oems and the distributors obviously but the nokia's the spider clouds and the ruckus they're going to jump on the bandwagon they already have product they're going to put it out there they want to sell a lot of units but the reality is it's probably going to be a low cost unit. And if uh, Ubiquiti sells anything in this, it's, you know, Ubiquiti is going to be as cheap as they can get. It's going to be a throwaway item. And it's really going to cause a problem for the other OEMs. But I do see the Nokia, the SpiderCloud, and the Ruckus. I see them as winners in this, at least up front, because they're going to have a lot of devices and they're going to have options and they're going to appeal to each group. For instance, Nokia, the carriers. Let's face it, carriers are their lifeline. SpiderCloud, Enterprise. Enterprise is the bulk of its business. Ruckus, the ISPs. Ruckus has the ISP business locked up. So there you go. I just mentioned three, mentioned three different OEMs that appeal to three different industries. Okay. That's why you have to remember that all of these matter. Okay, let's move on. So public safety. I really see this as a, a plus for public safety, especially the lightly licensed play because it's going to be harder for someone to hack or get into or even see that it's out there. It's it's going to be a little bit more of a, a plus for them. They're going to have options, even if it's LTEU and they can use it with the other carriers. So if uh, AT&T ever finishes their public safety system, oh, I'm sorry, I mean FirstNet. If FirstNet ever builds out their system, which you're doing, right? It's reality. And then you're going to have the competing system with Verizon. When you're looking at public safety, you're going to look at these two, and it's going to really be an extension of what they have now. In fact, the way you have to look at it, AT&T and Verizon are really going to compete for public safety business. That's what I see. Verizon really has a lot of it now. It's just whoever's coverage is better in that area. I know what we're saying. Well, FirstNet's going to cover everything. You know, they're going to they're going to cover the earth like air. That's sort of a fantasy, at least for a long time. But here in the U.S., they are supposed to cover a lot of the real estate. Will they do it well? You know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think AT&T is going to put a lot of money and effort into this. And I um, I hope they make money because Verizon already has a lot of this business locked up. I want you guys to remember something. With FirstNet, public safety doesn't have to go to FirstNet. It's a decision they'll make based on coverage 
and budget. If FirstNet's cost effective, they'll go there. If not, they might not. They might keep their push to talk systems longer and just have private phones. Might just be easier, but I digress. I just see this as a way for them to easily expand, add it to the devices and another tool in their wheelhouse, so to speak. Another industry that I see helping out, uh, that I see these particular technologies helping out big time are the utilities. Utilities are really going to rely on this. The utility market needs this boom, this bust, this, this push so they can actually connect their smart meters or remote connections. They can have more privacy. They can really do a lot with this, but specifically they want to use it for IoT. They might like the broadband for some specific purposes, but this is something they can deploy quickly, easily, and use it for almost anything for IoT uses or even broadband uses. But I see it, you know, the meters are going to be a big deal. Connecting the remote stations for controls and stuff like that going to be easy and cost effective to deploy. And they won't have to rely on the carriers, which I have to tell you, I don't know what's going on with Verizon lately, but I don't know. I used to have four or five bars everywhere and now I got one or two. I don't know what's happening. Sorry <laughs> off the subject, but another thing is autonomous vehicles. It's going to be an easy way for autonomous vehicles to connect, especially if you can put them on the poles in the urban areas. It's going to be a good thing. I want to mention Google because Google has been fighting for the CBRS network. Maybe they'll use it with their Loon network. And they, they also have been fighting for LTEU, which because they see the potential with it, especially with the growth, the LAA and things like that. And maybe it'll spark Google to go beyond what they did with their fiber to the home, FTTH network. They, they started it and then I think they realized that it was work. Us people in communications, we work for our money and we have a lot of obstacles. We have permitting and zoning, which they learn. We have competition. There's rights for the polls. There's leases. You don't just put an antenna up and say, there it is. You got to go through all the legal proceedings. It's not an easy job. And that's what I'm saying. You got to do a lot of work. And I think they realized by deploying fiber, how much work it was, how many permitting, zoning, how the cities, the cities wanted them there. And they, they were trying to give them every break they could. But there's other rules. There's leases for poles. There's competition. They really didn't think it through. However, I'm hoping with wireless, they can at least attach to a pole and then use that or attach to a light post or just find another way in the home. We're all looking for better connections in the home and in the business. That's what we're looking for. I know they technically should be included in ISPs, but they're doing a lot more stuff. You know, they do Project Loon where they send up balloons everywhere. They do, uh, they were doing fiber to the home and they quit that. We see them shutting down different businesses there. You know, I'm a fan of what Google's trying to do. They really want to connect everyone, but it's an expensive game. I think something that they're learning from the, uh, that, that's very different from what they're doing online. Online's easy. You know, they can work at it. I'm not saying it's easy. I shouldn't say easy. I know it's a lot of work, but when they do stuff online, it's online. They can basically have a computer, a server, a data center, and they're done. They just have to connect everywhere. Maybe run fiber to the building. When you do a wireless build out or a fiber to anything build out, it's work. You have to go out. You have to deploy. You have to pay field crews. Field crews aren't cheap. Equipment isn't cheap. You have to have real equipment. It's more than just a laptop, folks. You have to have a truck. You might have to bore. You might have to dig. You have to go through the permitting and zoning process. You don't just fill out one lease and call it a day. You have to get a lease for each individual pole. You have to work agreements with the cities. You have to do permits for everything you're going to lay. And you also have to make sure you are within the proper zoning limits. It's a lot of work. Site acquisition is a tremendous expense for any site. In fact, now it's to the point where it's more than deployment, practically, or right up there with it. It all depends what you're deploying. But on small cells, it's definitely more than the installation. 
That I will attest to. Finally, the workforce. The workforce, everybody. This is where we hope to benefit and get to work because they're going to put this equipment out there everywhere. And that's that's where we really have an opportunity. If you're a small business owner, you can do work for the carriers. You can do work for the ISPs. You can do work for, say, the Department of Transportation for the autonomous vehicles, work for Google, work for anybody that wants to put the stuff out there. If you're a site acquisition group, you got a lot of work coming ahead of you. This is all good. If you do in, indoor installations, this is good because we need to work. We can do work for utilities. We can do work for public safety. We can help smart city initiatives. All that is good stuff. And this is stuff that we need to be concentrating on. So that's, that's just a few industries that's going to help. So in the summary, I really believe LAA is going to be a game changer. I believe that LTEU is going to advance us to the next level. I believe that the CBRS spectrum is just going to be awesome because it's going to open up lightly licensed spectrum to guys like you and me so we can build a private LTE lightly licensed network, which to me is very exciting. Like what the hell? We can build something cool like that. We can do it with Ruckus. We can do it with Spider Cloud. We could do it with Nokia. Whoever you want to buy. The equipment's out there. LTEU, same way, man. The equipment's going to be out there, and it won't be long for all you guys that are um, a little down on your budgets. Ubiquity's going to have this stuff soon enough if they don't already. Let's face it. They're going to buy the chipset, throw it in there, and put it out in the market. It's going to happen. So you can finally become a player in your niche. You can take it to the next level. You can go beyond Wi-Fi. How cool is that? So in wireless, we can all be players now. We can all have our own networks. We can build out our own little regions in our own way, or our buildings. We can light up our buildings, or venues, whatever it takes. To me, it's exhilarating, very excited. I look forward to having all of you as partners in this venture. And remember, we have to deploy, deploy, deploy. All right, everyone, plenty of resources at wadeforwireless.com. I have the LTE deployment handbook, the 5G deployment handbook. I have the smart city deployment handbook. I have smart city tech, learning 5G. I have a lot of books out there. I also have uh, smart city use cases. A lot going on. A lot going on. Get them while they're hot. Remember, be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya. folks it's available the 5g deployment plan that's right the 5g deployment plan handbook i have the ebook out there for you in amazon paperback a full color eight and a half by 11 inch version the amazon kindle version the full pdf on cellfi and the full pdf on gumroad it's all about the 5g deployment go to wade4wireless.com and look for 5g deployment plan it's in there just for you